There you go. Good morning. All right, welcome. It is Sunday after VBS week, so we got a couple treats for you. Our kids are going to do two songs that they have learned, and then at the end of the service, we're going to show you our VBS video uh, from the week. So uh, we had an amazing week after they sing. I'll share a little bit of the details uh, with you and, and what we saw God do. But for now, our kids are going to sing and dance a little bit, so enjoy.
Great job, great job. Give it up for him one more time. All right, let me, uh, before I kind of share some information about this week, let me just uh, give a huge shout out um, for, to some people. So we had so many volunteers this week that if I mention everyone by name, number one, I'm probably going to forget somebody. Number two, it'll take me 10 minutes. So if you helped with Vacation Bible School in some capacity at all, would you please stand? If you helped at VBS this week, would you please stand? Awesome. Awesome. You, you can be seated. So uh, from music, crafts, recreation, Bible study, snack, setup, teardown, security, registration, our VBX, uh, man, people were so, um, so involved. And I got to give a huge shout out, and she actually just slipped out the back door because she has to run and get some more water balloons, and I'll explain why in just a moment. Um, <laughs> But uh, Miss Rachel, this was Rachel's first year heading up Vacation Bible School, and she did a fantastic job. Um, so as you're throwing water balloons at her after the service, just say, thank you, Rachel, and then you can throw a water balloon. Uh, my lovely wife, Miss Ryan, also helped as the assistant director to the director or whatever it is. But, so she did uh, an amazing job as well. So I don't have exact numbers. I think we had over 100 kids registered. The highest night, I think it was our second night, and between our kids in here and our youth, we had 95. Um, so uh, it was amazing. And our, our focus for our mission, some of you have, have heard this and you know this, uh, our missionaries that we're building relationships with are the MOST. Johnny and Donna Moss, and they're down in Ecuador, and so we wanted to support them and encourage our kids to give money, and so I was talking to Mark, and I was like, Mark, how do you think we can help them other than just giving them money? And so an idea that he, and he's been working with some other churches on, um, is a solar projector. Comes with a speaker and a backpack, and so, you know, we can, we can watch videos and all of that stuff because a projector, they don't really have the resources down there, and so they're putting together a movie from creation to Christ in the Afro-Ecuadorian dialect. And so this would be a great way for them to show it. The total cost for that projector um, is $2,000. And so Mark's working with some other churches. And so we knew we didn't need to raise the whole amount. We were hoping for $500. Our kids raised over $1,200 for this projector. So... Um, so, so that was amazing, and then some other churches are going to partner with that, and, and there's a, another vision trip that's going to happen beginning of next year, and so they'll take that down there to them, and they'll begin to use it. And so uh, it has been an incredible week, and so we're going to, at the end of the service, uh, what we're going to do is because as an incentive for our kids, for every $100 that they raise, and 500 was the goal, if they got the 500 they got me, is they were going to get to throw water balloons at us. The weather was great most of the week, and of course, Friday night, this stage is packed, the, the auditorium is packed, and as we're wrapping up, it starts thundering and lightning, and we couldn't do the water balloon. So, you get a special treat if you want to stick around. Um, after the service is over, uh, we're going to show you the VBS video. That'll give our six or seven participants who are going hit, to get hit with water balloons time to go change, and then over there where the Gaga ball pit, it, pit is under the basketball court, you can gather around adults. Now, you don't get to throw because you weren't a part of this, but you can watch and laugh 
Our, our kids are going to get to throw water balloons at us, so you, you want to hang around uh, for that before you get in your car and, um, and head home, and so uh, we'll do that at the end of the service. Let me pray. Uh, after I pray, we're going to have a time to welcome each other, and then we're going to sing a praise song together. Let's pray. Father, you are good. We are about to sing of your amazing grace. It is all because of your grace. Lord, in your mercy and in your compassion and your power, Father, this past week that we're able to celebrate today. Lord, thank you for our volunteers who made all of this possible. Thank you for our kids who showed up every night. Thank you for their parents, grandparents who coordinated rides, and it's difficult to get here straight from work, and so they made it happen. Thank you for the kids who came back this morning. Thank you, Father, for the money that was raised to help our missionaries, for the gospel that was shared throughout the week. Um, all that was done, Father, we give you the praise and the glory for that. Lord, as we just worship you today, God, we just want you to know how much we love you and, and just praise you. God, give you the glory for that. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take a moment and stand and welcome those around you? Now that we're all standing up, let's continue to stand. We'll go into praise time. Take my place. 
Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Yeah, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing Good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you are here to worship with us today. I know we have some guests with us. Maybe this is the first time you've been with us on a Sunday morning. You were with us at a vacation Bible school or maybe uh, with Awana and others who were just here for the first time. We're thankful to have you. Uh, inside the bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself. And there's a box right out there in the foyer. You can place that in there, please, just so we can learn a little bit more about you. We are thankful that you're here to worship with us. Let me go over some announcements really quick, some important announcements. Next Sunday is the 11th annual church picnic, and so all the information you need is in the bulletin. There are some maps out there on the, uh, the, the desk out there in the foyer. Please sign up on your way out. Take a moment, sign up just so we can have a, a head count. 
uh, for that. Um, today is National Ice Cream Day. Anybody excited about that? So tonight at 6 o'clock, we're having our annual uh, ice cream social, homemade ice cream. And so this is the first time I've got to experience it. Many of you have done this before, so you've already got your ice cream made up, and we'll have a contest, and we'll have some judges, and they'll judge uh, who has the best ice cream. You're thinking, well, I didn't make any ice cream. This is the first time I'm hearing about this. That's all right. Just come and eat ice cream with us and fellowship, and uh, there'll be plenty of ice cream for you to enjoy. Um, tonight at 4.30, we have our women's ministry has a Bible study at 4.30. Our deacons are going to meet at 4.30, so important for you to know that. You'll also see some information in here about our deacons, so let me just say a word uh, about that. Um, Trip, the chairman of the deacons and I, we've tried to contact uh, our, our men who have been members of the church for more than a year um, and who are active and, and eligible. And so if we have overlooked you, we apologize for that. Would you please let me or Trip know if you want your name uh, listed here uh, on the list? So far, through our contacts, we've had seven men who are willing and eligible who said that they're willing to roll on and serve as a deacon. I'll explain more about what that will look like next week. But if your name was inadvertently left off, we apologize. Would you please see me or Trip? Um, about that. I think that's most of the announcements I, I want to uh, mention. Certainly Upward, Awana, big ministries that we do here. Um, you want to pay attention to that. And then a really important uh, women's ministry opportunity uh, as we get to serve on serve at a local school and love on our teachers. That's coming up. Uh, so you want to, to notice that as well. We're going to continue our time of worship. Uh, but let me pray again. Uh, while Curtis comes, and then we're going to continue to worship together. Father, thank you for Northside. Father, thank you for this body of Christ that loves one another, that enjoys fellowshipping with one another, that desires to grow in their walk with Christ, but also to pour into others. Thank you, Father, for a fellowship that wants to serve, whether it's through upward or through this opportunity that we have in a couple weeks to be able to love on uh, some teachers at a local school, just to encourage them, pray with them. Father, I just, I just pray that we would continue to see, God, that not only are we to build up the body of Christ here at Northside, but we are to go out into our community and into our neighborhoods and into our families, maybe where there are unbelievers, into our schools, whether that is a Christian school, a public school, or a homeschool co-op. There are people that surround us everywhere who need Jesus. And we are to go be the light. And we are to be the salt. Father, I pray that through this past week of Bible school, that's one thing our kids learned. And it's part of the song that they sang, that the Word of God is true. And we are to go out and to tell others about the Word of God, Jesus Christ, the living Word. Lord, continue to be with the rest of our time as we worship. Be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Let's continue to sing together. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. This child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed. His child and forever 
Lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. Thank you. You may be seated.
and take your Bibles and turn to Ruth chapter 4, Ruth chapter 4. Our church folk know that for the summer we have taken off for children's church, but that's going to resume August 8th for parents who are like, man, when's this coming back? I got some kids that, uh, so August 8th is when that's going to resume and it goes up through second grade. Um, So we want you to be aware of that. So I had a chance on Friday to teach our second and third and fourth and fifth graders, and you only get 20 minutes. And that time flies. So Ms. Robin, Ms. Julia, I don't see how you do that in 20 minutes because it went fast. My goal this morning, because I know there's a lot of kids in here, is to preach for about 20 minutes. So you let me know if it goes as fast as it did on Friday when I taught a Bible study. So this is the word of the Lord, um, Ruth chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, and we're actually going to finish up Ruth next week. Beginning in verse 11, Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, or Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. You may be seated. So if you've been with us, uh, you know where we are. Last week, uh, Ruth and this other kinsman redeemer, Mr. So-and-so, had this legal exchange where Mr. So-and-so gives over his rights of redemption to the land and Ruth giving it over to Boaz. So Boaz is going to become the kinsman redeemer. He and Ruth are going to marry. We'll get into that next week. But what I want us to do this morning, again briefly, is I want you to see how these witnesses offer up a threefold blessing upon Ruth and Boaz, and how in this blessing it is tying together some things that happened before Ruth and Boaz come on the scene, and then what happens after uh, they're here on the scene in Ruth chapter 4. So three blessings, this is going to kind of guide our time. Number one, the first blessing they offer up is directed toward Ruth. 
is directed toward Ruth. So we begin there in verse 11. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. Here's the first prayer blessing. May the Lord, may Yahweh make the woman who is coming into your house. That woman is Ruth. She's coming into the house of Boaz, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. So they're saying, may, may Ruth be blessed as as Leah and Rachel were blessed. And so some of you know who Rachel and Leah are. Others maybe knew at one point and you just forgot, or maybe you have never heard. So let me just fill in some of the details. Rachel and Leah are matriarchs of Israel. So you have Jacob. Jacob marries a woman named Leah. He's thinking he's marrying her sister Rachel. And again, you're going to have to study this in more detail. I'm just giving you surface. But So then he ends up marrying Rachel. Leah with Jacob. Rachel has two sons. When you include the two maidservants, Jacob has a total of 12 sons. These are known as the 12 sons or 12 tribes of Israel. Now time out, just a little aside. When it comes to narrative, and a lot of scripture is narrative, it is telling history, it is telling the story. You have to understand that most of that narrative is simply descriptive. It is describing what has happened. It is not prescriptive in that it is not telling you how you ought to now go live based upon what you read. Now, there are times, many places in Scripture that are prescriptive. It tells you do this or don't do that. And you can take that, come to a narrative section and say, okay, based upon the prescriptives, I know what I'm reading here did not honor the Lord or this does honor the Lord. So when you read that Jacob has 12 sons with four different women, you're thinking, whoa, did God approve of this? Like, can I go have four different women? The answer is no. This is narrative. Based upon the prescriptors, we know that this did not honor the Lord, but yet we're going to see even how God can use this. So I want you to listen to the language from Genesis. Talking about Leah, it says, The Lord opened her womb. Talking about Rachel, it says, Then God listened to Rachel and opened her womb. So the witnesses begin to pray, May the Lord, may Yahweh make the woman, Ruth, who is coming into your house, Boaz, like Rachel and Leah. The witnesses understand that only God can give life, and they're asking God to do just that. Now, important, the Lord enabled Leah, right, to have children. Leah became the mother of Judah. Judah is the ancestor, right, of the tribe of Naomi, who was married to Elimelech, who dies, and now of Boaz, who is related to Elimelech. Remember the name Judah, because that is important. You drop down to verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her. And look at the language, and the Lord gave her conception. Now understand, she had been married to Malon for 10 years before Malon died. She had no kids. Indication, I'm guessing, is... There must have been some infertility issues there. But now, as she's going to marry Boaz, the Lord opens up her womb and blesses her with a child. That child will be from the line of Judah. Is that significant? Shake your head this way. It is significant. So we're connecting the dots back. Genesis 49, verse 10. Again, just on the surface, not going real deep, but connecting the dots. Genesis 49, 10 says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. So as Jacob is giving blessings, right, his blessings are being given, we see that Judah, right, is going to, his descendants ultimately are going to be part of the kingship. 
And so when you follow the genealogy of Matthew chapter 1 leading to Jesus, it's coming through the line of Judah. Daryl Block in his commentary writes this. This is mind-blowing to me. The witness's request concerning Ruth is extraordinary inasmuch as they pray that Yahweh would grant this foreign woman a place among the matriarchs of Israel along with Rachel and Leah. You have these two matriarchs, Rachel and Leah, Israelites. And now what God is doing is He is bringing in Ruth, a Moabite, a non-Israelite, into the line so that when you study Matthew chapter 1 and it mentions Boaz, Ruth, a Moabite, is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. As you read the book of Ruth, I want you to see the change that God brings about in the status of Ruth. Chapter 1, verse 22, she is known as Ruth the Moabite. Chapter 2, verse 10, she is Ruth the foreigner. Ruth, chapter 3, verse 3, she is Ruth your servant. And in chapter 4, verse 13, she becomes Ruth the wife of Boaz. Church, my God changes people. He changes the course of history. And my God can change your life. This is what Jesus Christ does. He changes our identity. He changes our status. He changes us. And if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you ought to be changed. You ought to be different. Now, you're sitting here, and maybe some of you are thinking, wait, Pastor, I know a lot of Christians who aren't different. I know a lot of Christians who don't live a changed life. They're hypocrites. Listen, I can't speak to them. Here's what I know. I know this room is filled with men and women who have been changed through Jesus Christ. They are not the same because Jesus Christ got a hold of their life. They're different. And if you don't know Jesus, then I pray that you will come to know Jesus because only He can change you. And so this prayer, right, that God would bless Ruth, and God is going to bless Ruth and the descendants that come after Ruth and Boaz. So the first blessing tying back into, into Judah, right, and the matriarchs. Now we come to the second blessing. This one's, this one's going to be quick. The second blessing is directed toward Boaz. Look what they say. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. May you act worthily. May you, Boaz, be renowned. Tony Merida, in his commentary on Ruth, writes this. This is not just a prayer for prosperity and a good reputation. It is a prayer for righteousness. Boaz will be remembered throughout history, and his renown and his fame will come from his righteous actions. When you think of Boaz, right, you think of his kindness, his integrity, his compassion toward Ruth. Side note, your choices have consequences. Here we are thousands of years later. You know who we're talking about in Ruth? We're talking about Ruth. We don't spend weeks talking about Orpah because of a decision she made. Here we are spending weeks talking about Boaz. I spent about five minutes last week on Mr. So-and-so. Why? Because your choices have consequences. And here, through Boaz just living a life of integrity, we remember him and God is going to place him in a position of great responsibility, but also from that, this incredible lineage. So let's, let's piece together some, some more dots. Let's connect them. What do they say? May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in what city? Bethlehem. Is that significant? 
Well, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 12 tells us that David, King David, the one who will become the greatest king in Israel, is from where? Bethlehem. From Bethlehem. Right? We know him to be the great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz. But this, it's more significant than just King David, because in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, so now we're looking forward a little bit, says this, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. So part of the clan of Judah, small, insignificant place, town, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. So we know Bethlehem is known as the city of David. But then there's this messianic prophecy that is pointing us to someone greater than David. Who could this possibly be speaking of? It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ, the Messiah. One who is born in Bethlehem. One who will rule not only over Israel, but over the nations as King of kings and Lord of lords. Hear me, when you're studying Ruth, this isn't just about a man and a woman who fall in love. It's about that, but it's about something much greater than that. It is about God's plan of redemption that will come through this family's line in Bethlehem is going to be right in the middle of it. There's a third blessing. The third blessing is directed toward the family. Verse 12. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. All right, so a couple people are mentioned here. May your house be like the house of Perez or, or Perez. So who's this guy? Well, we know that he was Judah. Remember Judah, we talked about him. He was Judah's strongest son, if you will. Right? It's through Perez that the line continues. So you have Judah, then Perez, and then it continues. You're going to see that at the end of Ruth chapter 4 next week. You also see his name mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. I like what Daryl Block writes. He says, Little did those who uttered these words realize how prophetic the words would be. Ten of them were witnesses to this event because they had been summoned. The rest had simply gathered out of curiosity over what was happening in the gate. Now inspired by the Spirit of God, they joined in a spontaneous and unanimous pronouncement of blessing upon Boaz. They had come to witness, but they left prophesying. Had they been around long enough to see the fulfillment of their prayer, they would have observed the establishment of a name in a house far greater than Perez, the house of King David. And little did they probably know at this moment what their blessing, what it would ultimately lead to. But then we have a couple other names that are mentioned here. Whom Tamar bore to Judah. Now, full disclosure. This is based upon Genesis 38. If you have read Genesis 38 and remember Genesis 38, you know exactly what is in Genesis 38. We got a lot of children in the room. I'm not going into detail in Genesis 38. You want to read it later with your kids and explain it? Fire on it. I'm just hitting the surface here. So Genesis 38, you have Judah has a son. His name is Ur. Ur marries a lady by the name of Tamar. Now, I want us to think for a couple moments the similarities between Tamar and Ruth. Tamar and Ruth both have a husband who dies. 
Ruth's husband, Malon, dies. Tamar's husband, Ur, dies. They are also both childless, which means the family line was being threatened. It was on the verge of extinction. They're now widows. They have no children. The line cannot be carried on. So when you read here of Tamar and Judah and why they're inserted, I think the main connection here the author wants us to see is the connection of the leveret marriage. If you haven't been with us, you're like, what does that word mean? Leveret in Latin simply means brother-in-law. So in Deuteronomy 25, if a, 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 a husband dies and you have a woman who is a widow, the brother-in-law can step in and marry the widow so that the line can continue. So the first child born takes the name of the deceased brother who died. So, this leveret marriage. Judah's oldest son, Tamar's husband, Ur, dies. Onan, who is the second son, is to fulfill his role as the brother-in-law. But he chooses not to fulfill his role. Self-centered, maybe he knew the first child would take after his brother's name. He wasn't interested. Again, the details are there in Genesis 38 if you are interested. He fails to fulfill his responsibility. So Tamar is still without child. So Judah promises Tamar his third son, who's too young at that moment. So he basically says, look, you're going to have to wait around, but you can marry him, and then you can continue the line, right? And then in Genesis 38, if things weren't crazy enough, they get more out of control. More out of control. So that's how Tamar and Ruth are similar. But then there are some major differences in this regards. Ruth goes to Boaz and makes her identity known. Right, remember, Boaz is startled. Who are you? Ruth says, this is who I am. Tamar, because she's upset that her father-in-law never fulfilled the responsibility, never gave her the third son, the second son didn't want any part of it, the third son never gave it to him, decides to go to her father-in-law, conceal her identity, deceive him, sleep with him in hopes of having a child. Ruth does not act like that. That's a big difference. There's also a difference in how Boaz and Judah act. Boaz acts every step of the way in a godly manner toward Ruth. Judah, not so much. Right, Judah, after, remember, Tamar's lying to him. He doesn't know who she is. Right, he he's, thinks he's going to be sleeping with a prostitute. Ends up being his own daughter-in-law. Tamar, right? Um, so just acting in a wicked way. She's acting, pretending to be a prostitute. It's just, again, all sorts of wickedness involved. And out of this sin and deception comes two sons. One of those sons is Perez. And from his line comes Boaz, who is a faithful kinsman redeemer. And from Boaz and Ruth will come David, their great-grandson. So look, here's the deal. When you read something like Genesis 38, you're like, what do I make of this? As we close, let me, just, let me just be really, really clear here. As you study the Scripture, you have to understand the Scripture is filled with sinful, broken, wretched men and women, just like you and I. 
When you read Judah and Tamar and all this taking place there and Onan and just all of this sin, you're just like, are you kidding me? This is in the Bible? God's going to use these people? These people are included in the genealogy of Jesus? What is happening? Listen, the Bible is filled with wretched men and women. King David, a man after God's own heart, is known for what? Adultery and murder. Ephesians chapter 2. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And if that wasn't enough, it says, and you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We are sinners. We are wretched sinners. Everyone in the Bible, apart from God saving them, is a wretched sinner. Joby Martin, a pastor, we've been watching his study on being a godly man on Saturdays for the last several months. We were watching the one yesterday talking about how men are to love and, and we can love because the love of God is in us. Joby Martin said the statement yesterday. He said, I am not a mistaker in need of a life coach. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Hear me clearly. You're not a mistaker. You're not, well, I just messed up. I need a life coach. I need some encouragement. No. You are a sinner in need of a Savior. And that's why Ephesians 2 goes on to say, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, hear me, even when you were dead in your trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Did you hear that? Even when you were dead. I did a funeral yesterday. Seven months after his death because of COVID, right? There was a cremation, but even if there was a body, I've been to many funerals, I've never seen a dead corpse do one thing. And if I ever do, I'm never going back into, into a funeral home again. I've, I've never seen a dead corpse do anything. Why? Because dead corpses can't do anything. And the Bible is clear. You were dead in your trespasses, which means you can't save yourself. You don't need just a little help to get along the way. You needed a Savior. And all of Ruth is leading us to the Savior, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Listen to Ian DeGuide. He writes, There in the midst of darkness deeper than any ordinary midnight, he, Jesus, offered himself up for the sins of the people. There he was, abandoned by God the Father, who turned aside his face because he would not and could not look upon his own son. Disfigured as he was bearing our sin, Jesus did not risk his life. He gave it. Why? Is it because we are such wonderful people and we thoroughly deserve it? Certainly not. It is because God was so committed to saving sinners like us, and this was the only way it could be done. It is because God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Church, hear me as we close. As you study the book of Ruth and the Scriptures, you can't help but notice God's love for us. You can't help but notice God's love for Ruth, God's love for Boaz, God's love for His people, Israel. But I also want you to notice, in Ruth, God's love for the nations. Aren't you thankful today 
that God did not save only those who would call themselves Israel, but that he has saved Gentiles like you and like me. And that's a huge part of Ephesians, which we're going to begin in a couple weeks, is how God is uniting all things together in him. Jew and Gentile become one under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So here's what our God does, and this is good news for every single one of us. God takes outsiders like Ruth, and he makes them insiders. He takes sinful men like Judah and sinful women like Tamar and sinful men like King David and he uses them and changes them so that they begin to live differently once they come under the lordship of God. And he takes men and women in the New Testament and he changes them once they come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so God can change you this morning as you hear the good news, as you respond to the good news by confessing your sin, turning from your sin, and turning to Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Do you know Jesus? Because all of the Bible, before Ruth and after Ruth, is all wrapped up in God's plan to redeem a people through Jesus Christ. And Jesus, this morning, is saying, come to me, all ye are weary and heavy laden come to me and i'll give you rest will you close your eyes and bow your heads fathers we come to this time of invitation this time of response lord i pray that we would just yield our hearts and our lives to you that we would confess our sinfulness that we would turn from our wicked ways that we would entrust our very lives to jesus christ lord and savior of our life god you are a good and gracious god be merciful Oh God, if anyone here doesn't know you, may they hear the words, come to me. Not come to a religion, not come to a good feeling, or come to a tradition, but come to Jesus, Lord and Savior, the Son of God, the Son of Man. May they come to you, Jesus, and may their lives forever be changed as you redeem and change them. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song together. I'm going to ask you to stand, and as we sing, I'll be here at the front. You respond as the Spirit of God leads you.
All right, y'all may be seated for a moment. If y'all want to come up here with me, I have somebody I want to introduce to you. You know the, the Blackstocks. This is Skylar Blackstock. And so, there you go. Look, they already know it's coming. They already know it's coming. So several weeks ago, I was hanging out in the sanctuary talking. Most people were gone, and I turned around, and I see Skylar and her mama waiting on me. And I thought, oh, there's going to be some good news coming with this. And so she came up and shared with me how when she was at Windshape Camp, uh, she just felt the Spirit of God and doing a work in her heart and her life, and she realized she was a sinner in need of a Savior, and only Jesus Christ can save her. And so at Windshape Camp, Miss Skyler was saved. We all rejoice in that. That is awesome. High five, girl. High five. So this, this is what it's all about, is seeing Jesus transform lives from the youngest to the oldest. And so they're going to set a date for her to be baptized, and we get to rejoice in that. And our responsibility as a church is to come alongside her parents and just help disciple her and point her to Jesus and to love on her and to keep praying for her and just to let God do a great work in her. So we're so proud of you, and we love her. Let her know again how excited you are for her. Awesome. Man, happy for you guys, too. All right, you can go be seated. Miss Barbara will have you fill out some information afterwards. And uh, if you see Miss Schuyler after the service is over, just let her know how excited you are for her. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Um, we got a, a video. It's about 10 minutes. It shows you the week of Vacation Bible School. Uh, Miss Emma uh, put it all together this week. Her dad usually does it. He was out of town on a mission trip. Emma stepped in, did a phenomenal job. Um, you're going to enjoy it, and you're really probably going to like the end. That's all I'm going to say about that. Trip, when the video's over, if you'll just come dismiss us with a word of prayer, I got to go get ready to get water balloons thrown at me. Curtis will be in the back. He'll shake uh, hands. If you're a visitor for the first time, you have any questions, Ask Curtis. He's been here for like 100 years. <laughs> he'll, he'll be able to answer. All right, so enjoy the, the VBS video.
All right. Thank you. That was a great, great week. And just want to say thanks to all the workers again. So after I pray, I'm going to give you a few instructions, but let's just pray to, first to go to the Lord. Lord, we just thank you for, for the opportunity to pour into those, those children's lives all week, to set the seeds uh, that you will harvest and grow that we've seen here today in Skyler. Lord, we just lift everything up to you that your glory be shown through us and that you watch over and protect us and keep us safe. In your name, amen. All right, as we said, the kids, just parents, if they're going to throw water balloons, help them safely to the back of the parking lot. We've got it all set up back there. Uh, Aaron and the others are ready to have your water balloons thrown at them. Thanks.